simmering down, y'all. Um, hey, first things first, it feels like the air conditioner is on in here. Is that on purpose? Oh, you just killed it? Okay. It's hot in here, you think? Oh, it was. I was about to say is. <laughs> oh, we do. <laughs> oh. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good. I see one thumbs up at least. All right. So, y'all, this is, well, no news to you. You've seen the Advent candle lighting. This is the first Sunday of Advent. We've got it on your bulletin. We've had it on the slides. We did the candle lighting. Hopefully you're not hearing this and be like, oh, it's the first Sunday of Advent tonight. You've heard it already. Um, but we're going to carry on in that vein because what we're going to do tonight is sort of launch into a little Advent sermon series that Brian and I are going to do in these weeks leading up to Christmas. Um, and the sermon series is going to be called Roman Candles. So I floated that idea with Brian this week. He was like, yeah, it sounds good, but it reminds me a little too much of Firecracker. To which I responded, I'm okay with that. So Roman Candles it is. And actually the text for this is going to be in a familiar spot, the book of Romans. Uh, I'll explain a bit more about that in a second. But how about now if you are able, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. And tonight we're looking at Romans 5 verses 1 through 5. If you would follow along with me as I read God's word for us. It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts in here would be pleasing in your sight. Father, please do it. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Um, so I'm going to be honest with you. My intention coming into this Advent season was not to do something special for Advent in the preaching. We normally do that. I mean, if you guys have been around the last few years, you know that usually we hit first Sunday of Advent and we do sort of a, a special topical sermon series, something that kind of really hones in on Christmas and Advent and the themes about that. Um, but this year, I really was intending just to sort of stay the course through Romans like we've been doing. And part of the reason was because I didn't really have a good idea for a topical sermon series for Advent. Um, but then the other reason was Romans chapter 5 is like one of my favorite parts of scripture. And so we're here at Romans 5, and I was like, I, I don't want to deviate from that. I don't want to do something different. I want to keep preaching this because I love this section so much. So that was the plan 10 days ago or so um, that I had told Brian. I was like, hey, man, I think we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing with the sermon schedule, uh, even though people will probably boo and jeer us because of that. That's what we need to do. 
But what happened is I sat down and began my preparation is and I'm reading through this first section of Romans chapter 5. And I realized that we could sort of have our cake and eat it too. We could do both. Because as I was reading this passage, here are the words that are popping out to me. In verse 1, peace. In verse 2 and 3, joy, rejoicing. In verse 4, hope. And at the very end, love. And what I'm seeing is that the, the sort of key words that are highlighted all throughout this paragraph, peace, joy, hope, and love, also happen to be kind of the key themes of Advent. At least the ones that we speak about here at church. I know that many different church traditions have different things that these candles stand for. But in the years past, we always, when we've done our Advent candle lighting and prayer, we've always had it be peace, joy, hope, and love. And so the lights kind of went off. I was like, we could keep going through Romans 5, but we could also have it be where we're, we're seeing these themes of Advent pop up through this next portion of the scripture that we had scheduled to be going through at this point. So what I decided to do is that we would have this text, what we read today, be sort of like our key text for the next few weeks. We're going to camp out in it, by which I mean we are going to use this as our sermon passage for the next three weeks leading up to Advent. And each time that we read it, we're going to be sort of shining the spotlight on a different one of those themes of Advent. Tonight, we'll be looking at peace at the very beginning that you see in the text. But next week, it'll be joy. The week after that, hope. And finally, love. And that same passage, we'll get to read each time, but just bring to the fore those different words. And it's a little bit scary for me because, you know, we're going to be reading the same text four weeks in a row. And I don't want you to get bored and riot on me. But as my friend Kevin reminded me this week, sometimes we need repetition. Sometimes it's good for us to just sit in one place in the scripture and hear it read it over, see new things about it each week. And, and I think I'm guilty as a pastor sometimes of being so in love with the idea of making progress through our studies, whatever they might be, that I just want to sort of zoom past things. But reading this text over and over for the next few weeks of Advent will let us really soak it up in a way that might be good for us. So, Roman candles, that's what's coming the next few weeks. And as I said, tonight we start with that first candle that Becca and Josh lit for us, the first key theme of Advent, and that is peace. Romans 5 and the peace of Christmas. Now, I've, I've cheated a little bit, got ahead of myself, and I've already sort of highlighted for you guys where we see peace in the text that we read tonight. But even if I hadn't have said it from up here in the pulpit, I'm hoping you would have spied it yourself. It's the very first thing coming right out of the gate that we read in this passage. I'm going to read it for us again. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To fully unpack that, we need to take a step backwards and paint a little bit of context about peace and especially what we mean when we talk about peace at Christmas time. So here's a rhetorical question. 
I'm just going to throw it out here, think on it for a little bit. Why is it that peace is one of the Advent candles? Why is it that we say that peace is a key part of what goes on at Advent and Christmas time? Like I said, think about it privately. Whatever you're thinking about right now, the truth is that if our preschool kids were here with us right now, they could answer that question very quickly. I think so, at least. And even though I told them, or I would have told them it was a rhetorical question and to keep it to themselves, they probably would have blurted it out anyways. Mostly because they don't know what the word rhetorical means. However, what they would say is something that they've been learning with the most recent memory verse that they've had. Luke 2.14 is the most recent memory verse that they've been introduced to. And that's where the, the angels show up in this mighty, incredible chorus in the night sky. They appear to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth and they say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with those whom he is well pleased. That's what the angels announce when Jesus is born. So why is it that we have peace as such a central theme of this Christmas season, it's because when the angels declare what Jesus is going to do when he comes into the world, they say, he brings peace. We could look at other places for this too. In fact, if you guys go to the next slide, I think I've got a couple of examples up here of this. So Isaiah 9, down at the bottom, probably the most famous of all the prophecies about Jesus coming into the world, says, for us... A child is born, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And then a little further, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and say it with me, Prince of Peace. Even the passage we read tonight for, for the lighting of the candle in Micah, the very end of it says that he, the Messiah, shall be their peace. The reason why peace is such a key theme of Advent is because the Bible makes it abundantly clear, both in the New Testament and the Old, that when Christ the Messiah comes into the world, he comes bringing peace. That's why we talk about it at Christmas time. Certainly, there's an element of this peace that is future. We look out at the word around us and we realize that it's not always peaceful. There are wars going on. There's violence. There's hatred. There's fear. There's refugee camps. I'm just naming things off the top of my head that are evidence that peace is not ruling in the way that maybe we would hope or want. And there's a reason for that. When Jesus comes into the world at Christmas time, he inaugurates his kingdom of peace. But it won't be until he returns in glory that the finality of that kingdom comes to bear in this world. In the language of the Bible, the day when the lion lays down with the lamb. Or when men take their swords and turn them into plowshares. That day is coming, but even though it's been inaugurated with Jesus coming into the world, its fullness won't happen until he returns again in glory. It's future. However, the main thing I want to focus on this evening is how even though there's a, a big part of the peace that Jesus brings that's still future, there is a powerful sense in which it is present today. 
right now, reigning in the lives and the hearts and the minds of believers that follow Jesus. You have his peace. It's what, it's what explains the fact that when, when, when God's people are blindsided by life, when they're out of nowhere, a circumstance comes that just totally turns things upside down. Instead of being overwhelmed by fear and worry and anxiety, instead God's people know his peace. It's the reason why when you're offended or somebody hurts your feelings or wrongs you, that instead of holding a grudge or seeking vengeance, you do what Jesus says in the Beatitudes and you become a peacemaker. You seek the path of peace and reconciliation and forgiveness. It's the reason why God's people in the face of a changing world where, I, I, this is the example I used up in paradise this morning, where gas prices are cresting $5 a gallon, that in that world, you feel that sense of abiding calm and trust that God is in control. What I'm trying to say is that the peace that Jesus brings isn't just a future event. It is reigning in the hearts and lives of believers today. But even all of that that we just talked about, the peace in our own hearts as we see hard things around us, the, the peace that we seek for with our neighbor even when they're mean to us, even those elements of peace are secondary. And by that I mean that they are a consequence of something more important that comes first. What I'm talking about is the peace that we have with God the Father, which is what we read about in the passage today. Just a reminder, Romans 5.1 said this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. So when the angels appeared in the night sky and said, On earth, peace. When Isaiah looked down the tunnel of the future and he said, Our Messiah will be the Prince of Peace at their core, what they were saying is that Jesus would be the one that is able to take a sinful people and a holy God and make peace between them. Jesus Christ enters our world, and here's the situation. And I mean, you guys have heard this a lot because the early chapters of Romans talk about this, uh, you know, at length. But here's the situation Jesus enters into at Christmas. He enters into a world full of people like you and I who have become enemies of God. That's the language the Bible uses. In fact, a little further on in Romans 5, we're going to see that very word, enemy. He comes into a world of people that have turned against God. They become hostile towards him. And the way they've done that is by refusing to worship him and giving their worship to anything and everything else. And they've refused to live in the way that God has made them. Jesus comes into that situation knowing that a, a, a sinful people like that have become hostile, enemies towards God. There is only one thing that they are deserving of. And that's God's wrath and punishment. He's holy. He's just. He's perfect. 
Jesus Christ enters in to that situation and says, no, I'm not going to let this play out like that. I've come to bring peace so that any who clings to me in faith can take this, this situation that they're in of being deserving of God's wrath and judgment and instead be brought to a place where they are at peace with him. Jesus makes it so that through his death and resurrection, any who cling to him in faith are reconciled to God. They have peace with their maker. That is what this passage means. That's what he did for you if you cling to Christ in faith. And what I want to suggest is that that is the foundational peace that we have as people of God. Everything else flows from that. Every other kind of peace, that is. When, when you find yourself filled with the peace that passes all understanding, even when you're in a circumstance where you are scared, it's flowing out of the peace that you have with God the Father. When you find yourself in the place that you want to seek peacemaking with somebody instead of uh, revenge, it's flowing out of the peace that you have with God your Father. All that other peace, whether it's the peace that we feel in our hearts or the peace that we have in our relationships, it is a consequence of the fact that God has brought us peace, excuse me, Jesus has brought us peace with our God. And that might not seem like a big deal to you. You're like, oh yeah, I get it, I get it. I think it's a huge deal. Because I think we're a people that are prone to forget what we have to start with. And sometimes we put the cart before the horse. And we pursue peace in those other areas of our life. And we skip over the peace that we have with God our Father. So, uh, just a moment ago... I said something that I imagine for a lot of people was a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, that made you squirm in your seat a little bit. Because I was telling you that the peace of Jesus is reigning in our hearts today. And I expect that a lot of you guys heard what I was saying and be like, I don't feel the peace of Jesus reigning in my heart. So I'm giving you example after example. Uh, gas prices going through the roof, and that we have this abiding calm as we look at that. And maybe some of y'all were like, I don't feel calm about that, I'm freaking out. Or the example of somebody that hurts your feelings. We just had Thanksgiving. Chances are you might have sat down across from your brother that you don't get along with, and he said something incredibly rude to you. And instead of wanting to making peace with him, instead of wanting to forgive him and be reconciled, you essentially right now are like, I never want to talk to him again. <laughs> the peace of Christ isn't reigning there. And so here I am in the pulpit saying, the peace of Christ is reigning in our hearts as our believers today. And you're like, uh, I ain't so sure about that. And you're not alone. I'm there with you. As I was preparing for this message and talking about Christ's peace reigning, I'm having to look at parts of my heart and my mind and my life and say, like, is it really? 
I'm not sure if it's raining in the way that I would like it to or it should be. However, I have a thought about this that I want to share with you. I want to share with myself, really. And it has to do with that idea we were just talking about, about the peace with God being foundational. Because maybe, just maybe, the reason that we struggle with seeing the peace of Christ reign in our lives now is because we've forgotten where it comes from. We've forgotten that it flows out of the peace we have with God the Father. And that only if I'm willing to lean into that peace that I have with the Father, to meditate upon it, to sit in it, to rest in it, only then will I see that peace flowing out into the other relationships in my life. Into the times where I drive by the gas station and see that the prices has gone up again. And instead of freaking out, I feel his peaceful presence. I can't start with manufacturing peace at the Thanksgiving table with my cousin that drives me crazy. I can't start there. I have to start with sitting in the peace that I have with God that's been given me through faith in Christ. If I begin there, maybe, just maybe, it'll begin to flow out into those other places in my life. If I am blindsided by something I didn't expect in my life, and instead of responding with fear or anxiety, I feel that peace that passes all understanding, that didn't come from nowhere. It came from the days and weeks previous where I've been sitting in, meditating upon, resting in the peace of God I have by reading of it in the scripture soaking it in, chewing on it. It comes from the times of prayer, weeks in advance, where God is, is speaking to me and telling me of the peace that I have with him, experiencing it in that intimate communion in prayer. It comes from the weeks leading up to the event where I've been hanging out with my brothers and sisters in Christ and we've been spurring each other on to think about the greatness of the grace of the gospel and the fact that we're redeemed by God and loved by him. All of those things, that leaning into, resting in, sitting in the peace that I have with God, all of that leads to that event weeks later when I'm blindsided and instead of freaking out, I feel peace. Knowing, sitting in, resting in, my peace with God flows in to the peace I experience when I'm blindsided by life. Or how about this, when my brother at the Thanksgiving table, and just so you know, I don't have a brother, so I'm not talking about a real scenario here, totally hypothetical, but when my brother at the dinner table says something incredibly rude and offensive, if I'm able to react as a peacemaker there and not as a vengeful, hateful, you're dead to me kind of person, it doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from the weeks, the days leading up to that where I've been soaking in the peace I have with God the Father and it's flowed into my response to that situation. It's come from the fact that I've spent weeks dwelling on the fact of how amazing it is that I'm loved by God. 
me, a sinner, have peace with God the Father. So much so that I'm more amazed by that than I am by whatever he said to me at Thanksgiving. Right? That, that's how we usually talk about those things. Can you believe he said that to me? Well, can you believe that God loves you? One of those things is more incredible than the other. And it ain't what your brother said at Thanksgiving. When I'm more amazed at the peace I have with the holy, holy, holy God than I am about some offense I've experienced, then I'm able to respond with peace. Even today, I was talking with Kevin after the sermon up in paradise, and he reminded me that there's a part of this that many of us have experienced, you know I've experienced, of deep depression, deep anxiety, deep fear, that at first I was afraid to speak about in this sermon because I didn't want to give the impression that like, oh, I've got a quick fix for you. In the depths of my depressive times, that would not have been helpful. I know there's a lot that goes along with seeing God's healing, with deep anxiety, deep impression, excuse me, depression, things that rob us of our peace. There's a lot that goes on there. And yet, I would be remiss as a preacher if I didn't say that a key element of seeing his healing is coming back to resting in, sitting in, leaning into the peace that Jesus has given me with God the Father. That's part of it. All I'm trying to say here, and really my biggest takeaway of everything, is we can be a people that put the cart ahead of the horse. And we can desire peace in our relationships, in our heart, in our mindset, but forget the way that we get there is by meditating on the peace that we have with God the Father. But one of those things needs to come first. The peace we have with him. Everything else flows from it. And like I said a second ago, I know with the deep struggles with anxiety and fear and worry and depression, there is a lot that goes into healing. But that, that's a cornerstone. These next few weeks of Advent, we're going to continue lighting the Roman candles. Those kinds, not the fireworks. But each week, we're going to have that one candle that we've lit today still illuminated. And I hope it will be a reminder to you that this is the season where we remember that Jesus brings peace. He brings peace when we're afraid. He brings peace when we're at odds with people. He even, as we said, brings peace or will bring peace in the future in his glorious kingdom that I'm not sure any of us can truly imagine the fullness of. But I hope that no matter what peace you're dwelling on, what peace of Christ you're looking forward to, you are always reminded of the fact that the foundational peace, the first that he gives us, is what we read tonight in the scripture. He's made peace between us and God the Father. I'll read it for us one more time. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to him. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you especially for this time of year where we remember that you came into our world. You came to your people. You didn't wait for us to come to you. You came to this world, and you brought your peace with you. Thank you. And we ask and pray that the Lord Jesus would be high and lifted up in the remainder of our time this evening, but all throughout this month. And that this Christmas time that can be filled with so many distractions and busyness would not ever eclipse the fact that our Jesus, our King, our Messiah is here. And he has made peace. It's in his name, the name of Jesus, that we pray. Thank you, Josh. Um, let's stand. We'll sing one more. We dusted this one off this week. It's an old, old Christmas song, one of Brian's favorites, and so we made we made him come up here and sing it with us. So. Oh,